0: Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah anna muhammadan ba'du billahi Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim لله Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki إياك din نستعين we are المستقيم، of الذين
1: best عليهم the best <Quran> <speaking in> the and <Quran> stated, <speaking in the Quran> that in relation to the accounts of Hazrat Abu Bakr mention was being made of his freeing of the slaves. And there are some further accounts with regards to this. Hazrat Abu Bakr freed Nahdiya and her daughter. Both of them were slaves of a woman from the Banu Abdiddar. Hazrat Abu Bakr passed by both of them and at the time their master had sent them to grind the flour. And she was saying that by God, I shall never free you or whoever she was swearing by. In any case, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala stated that, O oh mother of so-and-so, break your oath. Upon this, she replied that, leave her, you are the one who is ruining them. And if you care so much, then why don't you free them? And so Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala stated, that tell me how much I need to pay in order to free them. She then stated an amount for each of them and Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that I have taken both of them and freed them. He then said that return the flower to this woman. In other words, Hazrat Abu Bakr said to the two of them who were enslaved to return the flower which she was taking in order to grind it. The two of them stated that O Abu Bakr, shall we complete this task and return the flower? In other words, to fulfil the duty they were given of grinding the flour and then return it to her. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu answered, That "That is fine, you may do so if you wish to. (coughs) Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala once passed by a slave of Banu Muammal. And Banu Muammal was a branch of the Banu Adi bin Kaab tribe. The slave was a Muslim and Umar bin al-Khattab was punishing her in order to make her abandon Islam. In those days, Hazrat Umar was still a polytheist and had not yet accepted Islam. He would strike her until he would tire and he would say that I only let you go due to being tired. Thereupon she would reply that Allah shall treat you the same. Hazrat Abu Bakr also purchased her and granted her freedom. It is recorded in one narration that Abu Kahafa, the father of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu said to him, that, O oh my son, I see that you are freeing the weak, but if you wish to carry on doing so, then you should free the stronger men as well, so that they may protect you, and so that they may stand by your side. The narrator states that Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu replied, that, O oh my beloved father, I only desire the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. And various commentators, such as Alama Qurtubi <gibt> and Alama Alusi, etc., say that the following verses were revealed due to this action of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu dam- ta'ala anhu. فَأَمَّا مَنْ وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَةِ فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَةِ وَأَمَّا وَاسْتَغْنَى وَكَذَّبَ
2: بِالْحُسْنَةً
1: فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْأُسْرَةً وَمَا يُغْنِي عَنْهُ مَالُهُ إِذَا تَرْدَى إِنَّا عَلَيْنَا لَلْهُدَى وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَةَ وَالْأُولَى فَأَنْزَرْتُكُمْ نَارًا تَلَزَّةً لا يصلها إلا الأشقاء
2: الذي كذب وتولى وسيتجنبها الأتقا الذي
1: يعطي ماله يتزكى Then, as for him who gives and is righteous and testifies to the truth of what is right, we will facilitate for him every facility. But as for him who is niggardly and disdainfully indifferent, and rejects what is right, we will make easy for him the path to distress, and his wealth shall not avail him when he perishes. Surely it is for us to guide, and to us belongs the hereafter as well as the present world. So I warn you of a flaming fire. None shall enter it but the most wicked one, who rejects the truth and turns his back, But the righteous one shall be kept away from it, who gives his wealth to become purified. And he owes no favour to anyone which is to be repaid, except that he gives his wealth to seek the pleasure of his Lord the Most High. Surely will he be well pleased with him. Among the slaves who were freed by Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu was Hazrat Khabab bin al Arat. And whilst mentioning Hazrat Khabab bin al arat Hazrat Musleh Mawd states that another companion who was previously a slave once took off his upper garment to bathe, and another person who was stood nearby saw that the skin on his back was so hardened and rough that it was like the hide of a buffalo. He was so astonished to see this and stated, that how long have you had this illness? The skin on your back is so hard that it is like the hide of animals. Hearing this, Hazrat Khabab laughed and replied, that this is no illness. When we accepted Islam, our master decided to punish us. And so he laid us down in the scorching heat and began beating us and telling us to say that we do not believe in Muhammad. In reply, we would recite the kalima, by the Muslim creed, and he would hit us even more. Even after this, when his anger would not subside, he would then drag us on the rocks. Hazrat Maud, Radiallahu ta'ala, further writes, that in Arabia, in order to protect the houses from water which were made from mud, they would place a type of rock near the area which is called Kingar in Punjabi. This is an extremely rough and sharp rock which people place on the walls of their homes to protect them from any harm from the pouring of water. In other words, so that the walls are not damaged. And so this companion stated that when we refused to reject Islam and the people would become tired from beating us, they would then tie our legs with a rope and continue to drag us on these rough rocks. And so whatever you see on my back is a result of that beating and dragging. Hence, such injustice was inflicted upon them year after year. And eventually, Hazrat Abu Bakr could not tolerate this any longer. And so he sold a large portion of his property in order to free them. <coughs> then, whilst mentioning how Hazrat Abu Bakr, ta'ala would free slaves, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, states, "Those slaves who believed in the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came from different nations. There were Abyssinians like Bilal and Romans like Suheb, and there were also Christians among them like Jubair and Suheb and there were idolaters like Bilal and Ammar. The master of Bilal would force him to lay on scorching sand and either place stones on him or have young boys jump on top of him. When Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala saw this cruelty against them, he freed them by paying their master their price. Once Hazrat Abu Bakr also intended to migrate to Abyssinia. And in this regard, it is mentioned that when the Muslim population had grown and the religion of Islam became manifest, the disbelievers among the Quraysh began to torment and inflict pain to those who had accepted Islam from among their tribes. And their objective was to cause them to deviate from their faith. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed the believers that you all should spread across the land for surely Allah will bring you back together. The Companions submitted that where shall we go? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that this way and pointed towards the land of Abyssinia. This incident took place in five Nabwi in the month of Rajab and in accordance with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's instruction, eleven men and four women migrated towards Abyssinia. After the Muslims had migrated to Abyssinia, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala was also persecuted, due to which he too intended to migrate to Abyssinia. In this regard, there is a narration of Bukhari, and Hazrat Aisha ta'ala relates that when the Muslims were afflicted with hardships, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala set out to migrate to Abyssinia. When he reached a place called Barkur-Rimad, this is a city in Yemen situated near the coast, and is a five nights journey from Mecca. There, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala met Ibn Daghna who was the chief of the tribe of Qara. He asked that, O oh Abu Bakr, where are you travelling to? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that my people have exiled me and thus I wish to travel the land and worship my Lord. Ibn Daghna replied that a man like you does not leave his land on his own accord and nor should he be forced to leave. This is because you embody such virtues that have been long lost. For you honour your family ties, you carry the burden of the tired and weary, you host guests in an excellent manner and help those in difficulties. In another place, this particular part has been translated as follows, that you earn and provide for the poor, you treat your close relatives kindly, you care for the vulnerable, you host guests in an excellent manner and you help those afflicted because they speak the truth. After this, Ibn Dagna then stated that I will grant you protection under my authority. Return to your land and continue to worship your Lord there. Ibn-i accompanied Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala back to Mecca and met the chieftains of the Quraysh. He said to them that Abu Bakr is such an individual who should neither leave his homeland and nor should he be exiled. Are you people exiling such an individual who embodies virtues that have been forgotten? For he honours his family ties, he carries the burden of the tired and weary, he hosts the guests in an excellent manner and helps those facing difficulties. Upon this, the Quraysh honoured the protection granted by Ibn Daghna and allowed Hazrat Abu Bakr to live in peace. They then told Ibn Daghna that tell Abu Bakr to worship his Lord within the confines of his home and he should offer his prayers there and anything else that he desires, but he should not cause any hindrance to us through his prayers and his recitation of the Qur'an. He should not recite aloud because we fear that he will lead our children and women astray. Ibn Daghna conveyed this to Hazrat Abu Bakr and consequently Hazrat Abu Bakr started worshipping his Lord only in his home and ceased to pray or recite the Qur'an openly other than within his home. After some time a thought occurred to Hazrat Abu Bakr due to which he made a mosque or a place of prayer in an open area in his courtyard. And there he would offer his prayers and recite the Holy Qur'an while the women and children of the idolaters would crowd around him. They would be astonished, in other words, they were astonished to see Hazrat Abu Bakr while he worshipped. And they would observe that Hazrat Abu Bakr would weep a lot. He could not hold back his tears whilst reciting the Holy Qur'an. And this state of Hazrat Abu Bakr was of great concern to the chieftains of the Quraysh. And so they sent for Ibn Daghana, and when he arrived they said to him, that we offered Abu Bakr protection on the condition that he would worship his Lord in the confines of his home. However, he did not respect this condition and has established a mosque in his courtyard where he prays and recites the Qur'an aloud. And so we fear that he will place our sons and our women in a trial. Thus, you must go to him and tell him that if he wishes, then he can worship whilst remaining inside his home. However, if he is insistent on offering his worship openly, then inform him that he should renounce the protection he was given under your authority, because we would not like to breach your authority. However, we will never permit Abu Bakr to worship openly. Hazrat Aisha continues that Ibn Dagna came to Hazrat Abu Bakr r.a. and stated, you are aware of the condition upon which I made this covenant with you. Accordingly, you must either abide by these conditions or renounce the protection you have under my authority, because I would not like that the Arab people come to know that I have been disloyal to the covenant I made with someone. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that I renounce the protection I have under your authority and I am content under the protection of Allah. There are some details mentioned in Umdatul Qari, which is a commentary of Sahih Bukhari, regarding the mosque which was established in the courtyard of Hazrat Abu Bakr. Ta'ala anhu. It is mentioned that this mosque was spread to the walls of his house and this was the first ever mosque established in Islam. Hazrat Muslim Audd states that Abu Bakr was such a person to whom all of Makkah was indebted. Whatever he earned was spent in freeing slaves and he was once leaving Makkah when a chieftain encountered him on his way. And he asked that, O Abu Bakr, where are you going? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that there is no peace for me in this city, and so I am moving elsewhere. The chieftain stated that if a man as pious as you leaves this city, then it will surely lead to its ruin. And so, I will offer you protection under my authority, so do not leave this city. Hazrat Abu Bakr returned under the protection of this chieftain, And in the morning, when Hazrat Abu Bakr would wake up and recite the Qur'an, women and children would put their ears to his walls just to hear the words of the Qur'an. This is because his voice was impassioned with fervency and emotion, and because the Holy Qur'an was in the Arabic language, therefore every woman, man and child could understand it, and every listener would be inspired by it. And so when word spread of this, there was an uproar in Makkah, for fear that everyone would lose their faith. In other words, the people will leave their old beliefs upon hearing the recitation of the Holy Qur'an and the fervency of Hazrat Abu Bakr's voice. And this is exactly what is happening to Ahmadis in some countries, particularly to those living in Pakistan. They claim that they too will become faithless if they see an Ahmadi recite the Qur'an or pray. For this reason, there are severe punishments for Ahmadis who are caught praying or reciting the Holy Qur'an. Nonetheless, Hazrat Muslim Aud ta'ala anhu further writes, that people went to that chieftain and questioned him, saying, "Why have you provided him with protection?" This chieftain then went to Hazrat Abu Bakr, the Allāh anhu and stated, "That please desist in reciting the Qur'an in this manner, because the people of Makkah are angered by it." Hazrat Abu Bakr, the Allāh replied, "That withdraw the protection you have offered me, because I cannot abandon this practice." And thus the chieftain withdrew his protection. Hazrat. Hazrat Abu Bakr also accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in She'ib Abi Talib. And after meeting with failure in every possible effort to curb the spread of the message of the unity of God, the Quraysh decided to boycott the Banu Hashim and Banu Mutlib as a practical measure. And regarding this, in his book The Life and Character of the Seal of the Prophets, Hazrat Mizza the Ahmad Sahib writes, Therefore, as a practical endeavour, through mutual deliberation, they decided that all relationships with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and all the members of the Banu Hashim and Banu Mutlib be severed. And if they refused to relinquish the protection of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then they should be besieged in one place and destroyed. Therefore, in Muharram of seven Nabwi, a proper agreement was drafted that no individual shall marry any member of the Banu Hashim or Banu Muttalib dynasty, and none shall sell anything to them or purchase anything from them, and nor shall they let any food or drink reach them. They shall not keep any relations with them. These days, certain Ahmadis in various places are also treated in this manner. In any case, it further states, that they shall not keep any relations with them until they separate themselves from Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and hand him over to them. This agreement, which the Banu Kinana were also included, along with the Quraysh, was formally written and signed by the main chieftains of the Quraysh and hung to the wall of the Kaaba in the form of a significant national testament. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and all of the Banu Hashim and Banu Mutalib. Whether Muslim or disbeliever, except Abu Lahab, the paternal uncle of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who in the infatuation of his animosity sided with the Quraysh, were besieged in a mountainous valley called the Valley of Abu Talib. In this way, two large tribes of the Quraysh were completely cut off from the social life of Makkah and were imprisoned under close watch in the Valley of Abu Talib, which was a valley belonging to the Banu Hashim. The very few other Muslims who still resided in Makkah were also with the Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon him. Even in these extremely difficult circumstances, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala did not leave the Holy Prophet, Peace be upon him. As Shah Waliullah states He states that when the Quraysh unanimously agreed upon afflicting harm to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and they wrote a formal document, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq remained with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In relation to this incident, Abu Talib uttered the following couplet, That is, when they happily sent back Sahal bin Bidah, Abu Bakr and Muhammad expressed their delight. In other words, when the Quraysh of Mecca ended this boycott, Abu Talib recited some couplets, one of which was the aforementioned couplet in that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Abu Bakr expressed their happiness when the boycott came to an end. With regards to the prophecy about Ghulibat <laughs> al-Room i.e. the Romans being defeated, there is an incident about Hazrat Abu Bakr placing a bed. There is a narration of Hazrat Ibn Abbas regarding what Allah the Almighty states in the verse, Alif Laam Mim al fi Adn al-Ard. Regarding this, Hazrat Ibn Abbas stated that Ghulibat or ghalabat that is, they have been defeated, and they will overcome. He states that it pleased the polytheists that the Persians defeat the Romans because both were idolaters, whereas the Muslims desired for the Romans to defeat the Persians because they were the people of the book. He mentioned this prophecy to Hazrat Abu Bakr the who in turn asked the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that most certainly they, i.e. the Romans, will be victorious. Hazrat Abu Bakr, Allah Ta'ala anhu, mentioned to them, i.e. the polytheists, and they said they set a time frame for it. And if we win, we will get such and such thing. And if you win, then you will get such and such. In other words, they placed a bet, and they set a time period of five years for this. However, the Romans did not gain victory during this time. And Hazrat Abu Bakr mentioned this to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, upon which he said, That why did you not set a time limit more than this? The narrator states that he thinks that the time frame suggested by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was 10 years. This was a narration of Tirmizi from Kitab al-Tafsir. Then there is a narration of Sahih Bukhari, which mentions four prophecies of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which were fulfilled with great grandeur and glory. Out of these four prophecies, one of them was the prophecy about the Romans. Masrook narrates that we were with Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood and he stated that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw that people had refused to accept his message, he prayed that, O Allah, just as you sent down a famine for seven years in the time of Joseph, send a famine on them in the same way. And so a famine spread which destroyed everything. And it was so severe that people started eating hides, carcasses and rotten dead animals. And whenever one of them looked towards the sky, he would imagine himself to see smoke because of hunger. This is one of the prophecies of the fall. And so Abu Sufyan went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said, O Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. You order people to obey Allah and to keep good relations with Kith and kin. No doubt the people of your tribe are dying, so please pray to Allah for them. So Allah the Almighty revealed, But watch thou for the day when the sky will bring forth a visible smoke, but you will certainly revert to disbelief. On the day when we shall seize you with the great seizure, thus this great seizure happened in the battle of Badr, and undoubtedly the punishment of the smoke and great seizure and the prophecy of Al-Izaman and the prophecy about the Romans have all been fulfilled. This is a narration of Sahih al-Bukhari. In the commentary of this hadith, Alama Badruddin Eni writes regarding the prophecy about the Romans that when the Persians and the Romans fought against one another, the Muslims wanted the Romans to gain victory over the Persians because the Romans were people of the book and on the other hand the disbelievers of the Quraysh wanted the Persians to win the battle Because they were fire worshippers, and the disbelievers of the Quraysh also worshipped idols. Thus, upon this, a bet took place between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Abu Jahl, i.e., they fixed a time period between themselves of a few years. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the word biz'un, i.e., in a few years, refers to nine or seven years. Therefore, increase the time period. And so, Hazrat Abu Bakr did just that, and the Romans gained victory. Allah the Almighty had stated, Alif Laam Mim, Ghulibati al-Rum, Fi Adna al-Ardi wa hum min ba'di ghalabihim sayaghliboon. Fi Bizz'i sinina Lillahi al-Amru min kablo wa min ba'du, Wa Yawma'idhin yafrahu Yafrahul muminun binasr The translation is that Alif Lam Meem, I am Allah the All-Knowing. The Romans have been defeated in the land nearby, and they, after their defeat, will be victorious between three to nine years. Allah's is the command before and after that, and on that day the believers will rejoice in Allah's help. And Shabi states that at that time it was not unlawful to make bets. Regarding this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib Radiyallahu writes, that prior to the advent of Islam and in the early era of Islam, the two most powerful and largest empires among the civilized world were the Persian and Roman empires. Both of these empires were situated near Arabia. The Empire of Persia was located in the northeast of Arabia and the Roman Empire in the northwest. Since the borders of both of these empires met, At times, there would be war and conflict. And even in the era we are alluding to, i.e. when this prophecy was made, both these empires were at war. Persia had gained dominance over Rome and had seized many of its valuable regions. As such, Persia would continue dominating Rome. Since the Quraysh were idol worshippers, and the religion of Persia was also quite similar. For this reason, the Quraysh were very pleased with Persia's victories. However, the Muslim sentiments were with the Rome, which was Christian. On account of their being Christian, they were also ahl al Kitab, i.e. the people of the Book, and due to their relation to the Messiah, were closer to the Muslims than the idolatrous and fire-worshipping nations. In such circumstances, after receiving knowledge from Allah the Almighty, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him prophesied that although currently Rome is being dominated by Persia but in a few years time it shall defeat Persia and on that day the believers shall rejoice. Upon hearing this prophecy the Muslims among whom the name of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala no, has been recorded in particular began to openly announce in Mecca that our God has told us that Rome shall soon defeat Persia. The Quraysh responded that if this is true, then come and let us place a bet upon it. Until that time, placing a bet had not yet been prohibited in Islam, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu accepted. And the terms were set between Hazrat Abu Bakr and the chieftains of the Quraysh on a few camels and an appointed time of six years. However, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, received news of this, he stated that to appoint a time of six years is wrong. Allah the Exalted has used the words sinin with regards to the appointed time, which in the spirit of Arabic idiom is used to denote a time period of three to nine years. This instance is during the era in which the Holy Prophet peace be upon him still resided in Makkah and had not yet migrated. After this, within the appointed time frame, the war took a turn and within a short time frame, Rome defeated Persia and reacquired the entirety of its land. This took place after the migration. And after the migration, the Romans were victorious. With regards to this, Hazrat Muslim Aud ta'ala anhu writes that While the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was still in Mecca, news arrived that the Persians had vanquished the Romans in battle. This occasioned great rejoicing among the Meccans. For the Persians were idolaters, just as they were. And the Meccans took the victory of the Persians as a good omen, indicating their own ultimate triumph over Muslims. On this occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, received the revelation That is, the Romans had been vanquished in a neighbouring land of Syria but do not consider this to be the final outcome. For within nine years of their defeat, the Romans would again be victorious. When this revelation was announced amongst the Meccans, they laughed and jeered at the Muslims. And some of them made a wager of a hundred camels with Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that the prophecy would not be fulfilled. Furthermore, events indicated that there was very little chance of the Romans defeating the Persians as their defeat in Syria was followed by further victories of the Persians and the Roman army was pushed back by stages to the shores of the Sea of Marmora.
2: Constantinople
1: was cut off from its eastern dominions and the Roman Empire was reduced to the size of a small state. The word of God was, however, bound to be fulfilled, and was fulfilled. In their state of utter despondency, the Roman Emperor himself set out from Constantinople along with his troops and met on the shores of Asia for a decisive battle. The Romans, though smaller in number and not so well equipped as the Persians, won a complete victory, as prophesied by the words of the Holy Qur'an and the Persians were put to flight. They were forced to retreat into Persia, not finding any respite anywhere, and the Romans reoccupied the Asiatic and African possessions. The Promised Messiah, was salam, states, and when Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq placed a bet with Abu Jahl about the prophecy of the Holy Quran, which is as follows, Alif meem ghulibat room Fi al wa hum min ba'di ghalabihim sinin and a time period of three years was stipulated when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him came to know of this upon pondering over the prophecy and owing to his foresight he asked Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala to make an amendment to the details of the bet, stating that the word Busy is metaphoric and often means up to nine years. Then there are various narrations about how the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, presented his claim before his tribe and how Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was always by his side. Allah the Almighty had decreed to grant dominance to his faith and to bestow honour upon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and to fulfil his promise. Thus, during the days of Hajj, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went outside and met with the Ors and Khazraj tribes of the Ansar. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, presented his claim before the people as he would do so each year during the days of Hajj. In one narration, Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, When Allah the Almighty commanded the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to preach to the tribes of Arabia, Myself and Abu Bakr were with him when he set out towards Mina. We reached a gathering of the Arabs and Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu moved ahead and he was an expert in genealogy. And so he asked, which tribe do you belong to? They replied that they belonged to the Rabia tribe. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu asked, which branch of the Rabia tribe? They replied that they belong to the Zul tribe. Hazrat Ali further narrates that we went to the gathering of the Ors and Khazraj and it was these people who were given the name of Ansar by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, because they granted refuge to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and said they would support him. Hazrat Ali further narrates that we left from that place once everyone had pledged allegiance to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In another narration, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala narrates and when Allah the Almighty commanded his Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to present his claim before the tribes of Arabia, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him set out for this task. And myself and Abu Bakr were with him at the time. We went to a gathering which was civilized and dignified. They were very honorable and noble people. Hazrat Abu Bakr asked, which tribe do you belong to? To this they replied that they belonged to Bani Shaban bin Saliba. Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala, turned to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and submitted, May my mother and father be sacrificed for you. By Allah there is not a more noble people among them. Among them was Mafruq bin Amr, Musanna bin Harissa, Hani bin Kabisa, and Nomad bin Sharik. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, recited the following verse to them, translation of this is, that say, Come, I will rehearse to you what your Lord has forbidden, that you associate not anything as partner with him, and that you do good to parents, and that you kill not your children for fear of poverty. It is we who provide for you and for them, and that you approach not foul deeds, whether open or secret, and that you kill not the life which Allah has made sacred, save by right. That is what he has enjoined upon you that you may understand. Upon this, Mafruk stated that these words are not of any human. If they were, we would certainly have known it. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then recited the following verse. <laughs> عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغِيِ لَعِلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ That is, verily, Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others, and giving like kindred, and forbids indecency and manifest evil and transgression. He admonishes you that you may take heed. Upon hearing this, Mafroog stated that, O my Quraysh brother, by Allah, you have invited us towards the highest morals and good deeds. The nation which rejects you and helps one another to oppose you are indeed liars. Musanna stated that, O oh my Quraysh brother, we hear what you have said and you have discoursed in an excellent manner. What you have said has greatly inspired me. However, we have an agreement with Chosros that neither will we initiate something from ourselves nor grant refuge to anyone else who initiates something new. And what you are inviting us towards is perhaps something that the kings will be displeased with. And so if you wish that we help you and protect you against the people dwelling in and around Arabia, then we can do this for you. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, that there is nothing wrong in what you have said, for you have openly spoken the truth. Only those people can protect the religion of Allah, whom Allah Himself has surrounded with His grace. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took hold of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala hand and departed from there. In another narration, it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, what do you say if in a short span of time Allah the Almighty shall grant you the land of Chosros and their women shall come under your authority? Will you then praise and glorify Allah the Almighty?" Upon hearing this, he stated that by God we are ready. And so, God manifested his will in such a manner that these words of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, were fulfilled to the letter. The same Musanna who at the time was greatly overawed by the might of Chosros and was hesitant to accept Islam lest he displeased him, Soon became the commander in chief of the Muslim army during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr alayhi to fight against Chosros, that is Musanna bin Harisa. He was the one who broke the power of the Chosros and became the recipient of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's glad tidings. There is another narration from the occasion of Hajj, wherein it states that the tribe Bakr bin Vail came for Hajj, and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated Hazrat Abu Bakr alayhi to go to these people and present my message before them, that is, do tabliq to them and present the claims of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to them. And so, Hazrat Abu Bakr went to those people and presented the message of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, before them, and then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave them the message of Islam. The rest of the accounts will inshallah, continue in the future. Today, I would like to mention the pray for the Ahmadis in Afghanistan, They are passing through a lot of hardship. Some of them have also been arrested and the women and children are extremely worried in their homes. Those men who have not been arrested have had to leave their homes as there is danger of being arrested. May Allah the Almighty create ease for them and remove this difficulty from them. Pray also for the Ahmadis in Pakistan. The conditions for them are generally dire and every now and then some incident occurs of people causing harm to the Ya'madi's. Also, pray generally as well for the entire world that may Allah the Almighty enable them to accept the promised Messiah and may He remove every evil and may the world understand the true reality of accepting their Creator. Now I shall mention details of some deceased members, and will also lead the funeral prayer in absentia. The first mention is of Al-Hajj Abdul Rahman N Sahib. He was Ghanaian and formerly served as Secretary of Muryama and of Sajjah Salana and he passed away at the age of 81. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Both his parents were Ahmadis and had accepted Ahmadiyya themselves. He attained his higher education from Egypt, and thereafter began working in the practical field and he worked as a manager of various companies in Ghana. He also worked for some time in Nigeria, and he later started his own company and he worked as the managing director for it. He was a very pious and sincere individual and he had the opportunity to render an excellent service to the Jama'at. Throughout his life he always gave precedence to that which benefited the Jama'at over his own benefit. He had the opportunity to serve in various capacities and roles. And he would always consider it his good fortune to show obedience to the Amid and adhere to his every instruction. Often he would go in the mornings to the Mission House and meet Amir and if there was any jamaat work, he would do that first, and then begin his other work. He also had the opportunity to serve as the president for the greater Accra region for quite a long time. And from 1989 to 1998, he served as a Sadr Majlis Ansarullah, and then for a long time served as the Secretary of e Alma. He then had the opportunity to serve as the Afsar Jalsa Salana and prior to his demise he was serving as the national trustee. He was very generous and was always ready and willing to help others. His compassion was not just limited to his own family members. Besides generously spending on his friends and family, he would also spend on the members of the Jamaat and also other people of the area regardless of their faith. He was a very loyal servant of the Jama'at and was ready to devote his life for Khilafat. He would always give precedence to what benefited the Jama'at over everything else and was never concerned about the opposition. He was regular in his Tahajjud prayers and would ensure to offer his Tahajjud even if he was travelling. He was a Musi and regularly paid his financial contributions. He leaves behind his wife, five sons and five daughters. Hafiz Mubashir Ahmed, who is a missionary currently serving in Ghana, writes that the deceased was an extremely wise and would speak with great wisdom and to the point. He would very quickly get to the core of the matter. Once, during a board meeting, a matter was being prolonged as everyone was presenting their own opinions. He kept listening quietly and when it was his turn he stated that an instruction had already been received on that matter from the Khalifa of the time. Therefore, there was no need to further debate upon it. He stated that if the Khalifa of the time has given a decision, then there is no need for anyone else to present any suggestions of their own. Instead, one should adhere to it to the letter. Thus, Allah the Almighty has granted such sincere people who are dwelling even in far off lands. The next mention is of Azyaab Ali Muhammad al-Jabali Sahib, who recently passed away inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He was a member of the Jamaat in Jordan and the president of the Jordan Jamaat writes that the deceased did the birth in 2010 and he was the only Ahmadi in his area. Owing to the traditions and customs of the area, the wife adopts the same faith as her husband and therefore his wife also became an Ahmadi. He states that the deceased's level of belief in the Promised Messiah, mm-hmm. Ahmadiyyat and Khilafat was as strong as the mountains. He showed a true example of patience despite the opposition from his family members and other opponents. He had a great sense of honour for Ahmadiyyat and Khilafat and would very courageously defend it. The deceased had great passion to learn knowledge and do tabliq. At times he would call late in the night to inquire about a certain religious matter. Many tabligh gatherings were held in his house with those who opposed the Jama'at and also with his family members. The disease was diabetic and had to endure a lot of difficulties as a result of this, and it was this very illness that led to his demise. Some of his relatives would say that this condition of his was due to Ahmadiyyat, and they would say that if he left Ahmadiyyat, then they would testify in his favour on the Day of Judgment. Upon this, he would passionately pray that, O oh Allah, cause me to die in a state whereby I am an Ahmadi Muslim. The next mention is of respected Deen Muhammad Shahid Sahib who was a retired missionary and was currently residing in Canada. He recently passed away at the age of 92 years. Inna wa inna Rajiun. Verily, to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Ahmadiyyad was introduced to his family through his father who accepted Ahmadiyyad in 1938. In 1940, his father took him to attend Jilsa Qadiyan and there, his father was very impressed with the intellectual and spiritual atmosphere of Qadiyan. And the deceased himself also had a passion for studies. And thus, his father left him in Qadian at the age of 11, under the supervision of Hazrat Mir Muhammad Ishaq Sahib And that was where he obtained his education. He obtained his Shahid degree from Jamia Ahmadiyya in 1953. He then served as a missionary in various cities of Pakistan. He also served for three or four years in Fiji as the missionary in charge. He then served for an extended period as the Press Secretary in Rabwa, And along with writing four books, he wrote numerous scholarly articles as well. He was very passionate about propagating the message of Islam and he would find new and innovative ways of doing so. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi and he is survived by his wife, two sons and three daughters. The next mention is of respected Mia Rafiq Ahmed Saib, who was a worker in the office of Jalsa Salana. He recently passed away at the age of 87 Inna lillahi wa inna ilahi rajiun. Verily, to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. His father's name was Mia Bashir Ahmed Saeed, and his father migrated from Qadiyan to Quetta before the establishment of Pakistan and served as the Amir Jamaat of Quetta. Ahmadiyat was introduced in Mia Rafiq Ahmed Saeed's family through his paternal grandfather as a Dr. Abdullah Sahib, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah (laughs) (laughs) Mia Rafiq Ahmed Sahib graduated from the Engineering College of Lahore with a BSc in Mechanical Engineering in 1960, after which he worked in various institutions. After this, he went to Tanzania for about 10 years, where, aside from working for a company, he would also teach. He also had the opportunity to serve as the Secretary of Finance in Tanzania. In 1986, he undertook a period of temporary devotion during which he worked in the offices of Jilsa Salana. And then in 1987, he officially became a worker in the offices of Jilsa Salana.
2: Then in
1: 1989, he devoted his life and became the Nazim for technical affairs at the offices of Jalsa Salana Rabwa, and this was a position he served until his demise.
0: <coughs>
1: Hazrat Khalifa Masih III rahimahullah, arranged his marriage, and Hazrat Mulana Abu Adha Sahib announced his Nikam. Allah the Almighty granted him three sons and a daughter. His son states that if ever people said anything wrong about the Jamaat, he would immediately stop them. He had immense love for Khilafat. Once someone at home or a guest mentioned that the home provided to him by the Jamaat was quite small. And so, if he were to make a request, he could receive a bigger home. To this he replied that even if the Jamaat gave me a tent to live in, I would be prepared to live in it, but I will not make any requests. Then his son writes that after the demise of our father, we learned that he had been discreetly helping various less fortunate people. His younger son says that he was regular in offering the Tahajjud prayers, he loved the Holy Qur'an, he was kind-hearted, spoke gently, was trustworthy, truthful, and possessed many great qualities. He was obedient to the Khalifa and was loyal to Khilafat and was very passionate about fulfilling his life devotion. I have also witnessed this, that he was extremely kind, humble and fulfilled his oath of allegiance, i.e. his bad with great loyalty. He also strove to save Jamaat-money and he did his best to spend it in the most efficient manner. He also worked very hard to design some roti machines in Rabwa. His son further writes that even during times of hardship and worry I always saw him remain patient and forbearing. Often during times of worry and hardship I observed him reciting the Holy Quran and during his illness and before his demise, he did not express any discomfort and as mentioned before, he did everything with great care and passion. <coughs> the next mention is of respected Kanta Zafar Sahib, who is the wife of respected Ihsanullah Zafar Sahib, the former Amir of the USA Jamaat. She passed away recently in a car accident. Inna lillahi wa Inna Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. She was born in 1941, her father was Chaudhry Azam Ali Sahib, a retired session judge, and her maternal grandfather was Chaudhry Fakir Muhammad Sahib, who served as Nazir al e right after the partition of the subcontinent. She possessed many great qualities and was a cheerful person. She was always loyal to Khilafat and would openly express this as well. She had profound love for the Holy Qur'an, and she had a strong bond of love with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and the Promised Messiah This was the same love and bond which she strove to inculcate within her children. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, she was a Musiyah. She is survived by a husband and two daughters, and she had a young son who passed away in an accident a few years ago, and she bore this tragedy with great patience. Inamul Haqqasr Sahib, who is a missionary in Australia, writes about when he was in America that we used to hold the Holy Qur'an classes and she would regularly attend despite having to come from a long distance. And even though she was a PhD, she was a very simple person, she did not show any pride or arrogance in any way. She took great care of the poor and the needy, and she treated missionaries like a loving mother and had great respect and honour for them. She did everything with humility. She would often advise Lajna to place their shoes in the appropriate place and if they had not done so, she herself would pick up their shoes and put them in the appropriate place. She would very humbly tend to the cleanliness of the mosque as well. He further states that she was not at all arrogant or ostentatious. Her attire was very simple and she would deal with everyone in an excellent manner. She did not have enmity towards anyone and she treated everyone in an excellent manner. She hearkened to every call made by Khilafat. May Allah the Almighty grant all of the deceased members his forgiveness and mercy and elevate their station, and may he enable their progenies to follow in their footsteps.
0: (laughs) Alhamdulillah (Sulham) Alhamdulillah nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'uzu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min a'malina ومَن al فَلَا اللَّهَ إِلَهٌ إلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشَدُوا أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنكَرِ وَالْبَغْيِ يَا تَذَكَّرُوا